0: Blob Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Jake Meisner, back with you for another episode of the Climbing the Ivy podcast. We are pleased to bring you a special weekend edition of the show, along with my co-host Alex Pat, and soon uh, guest Adam McGinnis, one of the staff writers here at Cubby's Crib. We are here to dedicate the next 45 minutes to you, Darvish. Alex, we've been talking about it for weeks, and it finally happened. The Cubs agreeing to terms with you, Darvish, a six-year, $126 million deal. What were your thoughts when you uh, heard the news yesterday? Well, it's
1: kind of funny the way it happened because I wasn't really online on Twitter at the moment, but I'm part of a lot of chat groups with, like, you guys and other people I write for. All of a sudden, I, I get these messages saying DARVISH in all caps with a bunch of exclamation points. So I quickly get on Twitter. I see Ken Rosenthal confirm it, and I just jump up and scream yes really, really loud because the wait is finally over. Not only do we know where he's going, he's going exactly where I wanted him to go, and that is the Chicago Cubs. And I know we're going to break down everything in a lot of detail, but to sum it up, I'm really, really excited about what you Darvish is going to bring to this rotation.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, My wife and I are actually working through the final season of Breaking Bad. So that was our plan yesterday. We put the puppy away. We were just going to chill, watch Breaking Bad, have some drinks. It was going to be real low-key. And I got the same message you got, Darvish, all caps, exclamation points. And at that point, I didn't care what happened to Walter White and his drug operation. I was losing my mind about you, Darvish, coming to the Cubs. Uh, It's a deal that I think the Cubs needed to make. I think it says a lot. It sends the right message to players already there that this front office is serious. They aren't satisfied with just making the playoffs anymore. We're very, very far past that point. And that if the talent is out there, the ownership and the front office, they're going to pony up to do what it takes to make this uh, a championship-caliber team.
1: Yeah. And you could talk about all the risks and we know there are some risks here. You have a guy who's over 30. He's had Tommy John surgery, but when you have a talent like he has, I mean, it's time to just go all out for it. You're in the window now. Don't hesitate. Just go for it.
0: Yeah. 100%. Like, you know, all weekend, you know, I've I've actually started to avoid uh, social media, especially Facebook because, some of the reactions are just asinine. Um, oh, it's people, horrible. It's absolutely oh, it, it, horrible. It's it, it's awful. People still clamoring for Jake Arrieta to return, even after Darvish signed. Like, let's just move on. Like, I don't want to sit here and talk about how the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. It's 2018. They didn't get the job done last year. It's a new year. It's a clean slate. You have to step in and deliver from opening day for the postseason and Theo and Jed get that they understand what a pitcher like you Darvish brings to the table and I don't know about you but the number one thing that I'm tired of hearing about is Darvish's two World Series starts
1: yeah you hear that very often because they say oh he's terrible in the postseason okay look yeah the World Series was not good at all for him but here's a few points to keep in mind It wasn't good for a lot of top-time pitchers for that World Series. I mean, think about all the other pitchers that struggled and how many runs were scored. Kenley Jensen did terrible. That's just to name one other one. There was some guys on the Astros, their closer, Ken Giles, struggled mightily. A lot of good pitchers struggled in that World Series. It was just all those guys were working really hard, and the bats just got the best of them. And number two, you look at his other postseason starts, overall pretty good. I mean, right now on my screen, I'm looking at Hugh Darvish's highlights from the NLDS against the Diamondbacks, and he was just flat-out dominant good. So, look at those types of things. Don't just look at two World Series games. Look at what he can usually do and what he's done in other big situations, because he has come up big.
0: Yeah, and I mean, his one start in the NLCS against Chicago, the Cubs, don't get me wrong, they were running on empty. And that was not the Cubs at their best, but Darvish just had their way with that with that lineup all night long. It was awful. It was one of those games that by the third inning, you understood that if Darvish stayed in the game, the Cubs were going to lose. And ev- everyone's ready to jettison that because we've talked about it before. The last thing you see is what you're going to remember and carry into the next season. The last thing right. people saw Darvish was him getting rocked. But after the fact, it, was made very clear by the Astros themselves that Darvish was tipping pitches. That is a simple, mechanical fix. And I have all the faith in the world in Joe Madden and Jim Hickey to address that and make sure it doesn't happen. It's such a simple fix. But if you went online yeah, and read exactly. the comments, you would, you would never know that.
1: I mean, this is a guy who, for the past few years in baseball, has had all sub-4 ERAs and fifths that are near three and even below three. And we're talking about K rates that are in the double digits every single year. People should be jumping for joy when you get this kind of pitcher. And think about it. If he did even just okay in the World Series, the the thoughts would probably be completely different from a lot of people.
0: Oh, it absolutely would be. And I think – something to take into account as well. We know about the Cubs' struggles with command as a pitching staff as a whole. It was a a concern last year, to say the least, and it really blew up in a big way in that LCS series against the Dodgers. But Darvish last year had a 3.60 strikeout-to-walk ratio. I'm sorry. I'll take that any day of the week. You know, you're averaging north of 10 strikeouts a game. I'm a hundred percent taking that every single time. And then, the the real you know make or break for me was was the the terms of the actual contract. Six and one fifty. If it was just that outright, I wouldn't be as thrilled. But six and one twenty six. That's that's twenty one million dollars a year. And if you look at what the Cubs pay John Lackey and Jake Arrieta last year, it was thirty one point six million dollars for Darvish and Tyler Chatwood next year. million. Now, granted, that is if you divide the six-year deal evenly, and we don't know exactly how it's structured yet, but that would mean, on average, you're getting Darvish and Chatwood for a payroll increase of less than $2 million.
1: Yeah, that is really, really an amazing uh, thing that I really didn't think about, because I didn't really sit down and do all the math, but once I saw uh, people tweeting about that, I just kind of went, holy crap, you're right. I mean, we're, think about all the upgrades that have been made this off season, not only with the personnel on the team that plays, but also the coaching staff. Think about getting guys like Chili Davis and Jim Hickey and adding to that. My whole point with this is a lot of people seem to be unhappy with this off season. But if you want my personal opinion, I think the Cubs have made themselves better in almost every aspect going into 2018.
0: Absolutely, they, they're they're a they're a more well-rounded organization, and and also they brought in Jim Benedict too to help work with young pitchers. Again, everyone wants to to bash Theo and Jed because we don't have the track record of developing young pitchers yet. I think we're going to see that. I think by the time this current core and that window starts to close the next wave is going to be stud arms, kind of like what we saw with the Mets. And Theo and Jed, you know, Theo made some comments back in July trying to remind people that it's, it's not a static environment. It's not like all of your prospects reach the big leagues. And we've seen that, you know, Schwarber, Hap, Bryant, Russell, by, I mean, basically the whole starting lineup. And it's not like the minor leagues have stopped. The Cubs are still developing players. They're just at the low levels. They, they need time to develop, and I have complete faith in this organization to develop them and build the next wave.
1: Yeah, and you know what? A lot of people who want to look at it the way that you just said also realize that this Cubs team has built themselves primarily on veteran pitching. They're not really the ones like the Mets who go out and they're like, all right, we're going to develop our own pitching. They develop. Syndergaard, DeGrom, Harvey, when he was really good before he got hurt, they developed those guys like they developed our hitters. That was kind of their their big thing. We built uh, ground up the lineup. They built ground up the rotation. It's, you know, it's the opposite way. So there really hasn't been many, like, failed pitching prospects. It's just that they've gone the direction of veteran arms, and it's paid off.
0: Yeah, I mean, at one point under, under Epstein, the Cubs had used, I believe it was five straight first-round picks on nothing but position players. All five of them are now on the big league roster. I mean, the Cubs have hit right on the money with all of their early draft picks. And I think that it would be foolish to say that signing you Darvish is somehow jeopardizing any, any long-term future. I think at $21 million a year, it's a steal. Even in, even in the market that we've seen that just hasn't moved at all this winter. But Darvish at 21 mil a year, that's not going to look terrible. It's not going to break the bank. The Cubs are going to have a new TV deal. Ricketts is clearly willing to put his money where his mouth is and put a team on the field worthy of being Chicago Cubs. And, you know, I don't think the Darvish signing or any of their moves this offseason – will stop them in any way, shape, or form of going after players next winter either.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree with that. They're loaded. They're going to get that TV deal, like you said. They're going to keep printing money with all the new stuff they're building up. So I'm really not worried about them financially whatsoever. And also, think about Darvish's value. Going into this offseason and before this offseason, everyone knew that Darvish was going to be a free agent. Think about all the speculations that he was going to be a two hundred million dollar pitcher before this.
0: Yeah, I mean there are. I mean the difference between what he got and that two hundred million. I mean there are major league clubs that entire payrolls are smaller than that difference. I mean, I, I cannot stress enough how happy I was with the deal when I heard the terms six and one twenty six. In my mind, is a steal. And here's the thing that people really need to understand. If you, Darvish, for whatever reason, does struggle in October, I have enough faith in Kyle Hendricks, Jose Quintana, and John Lester to get the job done. The Cubs aren't banking everything on Darvish. They have a solid rotation around him. And I still think that Tyler Chatwood is going to be one of the big surprises in the National League this year. But you yep. would never know it. You would never know that based on how people are reacting to you, Darvish.
1: Yeah, I know. I've seen a lot of excitement, but I've seen a lot of the the negative stuff. And like I said, the main thing that I try to stress is, yeah, there's a risk. There's a risk with this. There's a risk with every single signing you make. If you sign Jake Arrieta, there would be a massive risk with that, because we've seen a decline in a number of areas with him. Theo Epstein is looking at who he thinks is going to be the best going forward. And based on trends, he obviously sees that you Darvish is going forward and I can't blame him because interesting stat since his Tommy John surgery, I know velocity is not everything, but his average velocity has gone up since his Tommy John.
0: And I- okay, <clears throat> Excuse me, because, He's already had Tommy John and he's got two solid years under his belt off of it. It's not like he's coming off of a surgery in 2017. He's come back. He's shown he's still absolutely effective. And in reference to what you said about Arietta, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before we went on the air. I'm sorry, but I will take a guy who throws eight pitches and can get you out with any of them. I will take that long-term over a guy like Jake Arietta who. You know, he's one of my all-time favorite Cubs, but, you know, his earned run average has gone up each of the last three years. His innings pitched have gone down each of the last three years. He's led the league in wild pitches each of the last two years. You know, his fielding independent pitching's trending in the wrong direction. So is his whip, his hits per nine, his home runs per nine. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, you don't, you don't tie yourself to something that, you know, the, the numbers clearly say – that regardless of what he has brought to the franchise, and I can't say enough good things about what he's done in a Cubs uniform, when the numbers tell you something, you have to listen to them.
1: Exactly. And you know that Theo Epstein and company, they all break down every single number to a T. There's multiple reasons I think that Jake Arrieta is kind of being passed on by the Cubs and definitely is now since that you Darvish is Uh, a lot of the things that you just said about the statistics. Also, I think uh, what his company is demanding Boris and all that in their realistic range of what they want. Again, they can afford pretty much anything right now. They're printing money, but they also have a desired limit. They're willing to pay clearly since this Darvish thing took so long. And to me, I just feel like what Jake Arrieta wants, For what he's trending to, it just does not match at all for what they want. And that's why there really hasn't been much rumors between the two, because I don't think there was ever really going to be close to an agreement with the Cubs and Arrieta.
0: No, I I 100% agree with that. And I, I think, you know, now I'm actually very interested to see where he goes. This is the second time in less than a year that Milwaukee has really gone hard after a pitcher only to see him sign with the Cubs. I mean, Jose Quintana, you know, they pursued him. The Cubs came up with a better package. He finishes the year in Chicago. He's got three very cost-controlled years left. Now they lose out on Darvish with an offer that was not in the same ballpark. It was supposedly five years and close to $100 million, But obviously the Cubs, an extra $25 million, doesn't hurt anything, nor does the sixth year.
1: Right. Exactly. And it was also interesting to hear that the Dodgers offer was closer to the Cubs than it was the Brewers, but he chose the Cubs. I don't know exactly what the numbers were. You might know more. But from what I heard from John Heyman on Twitter was that the ballparks they were in, as he said, quote, unquote, were pretty much the same in offers.
0: Yeah. So just uh, to touch on that briefly before we bring uh, Adam on here. Um my understanding was it was a contingent offer. Uh meaning the Dodgers needed to unload tens of millions of dollars in order to pull that off. The likeliest That makes guy, sense. The likeliest guy being Matt Kemp, and right now you can't get rid of that contract. You are stuck with it and you I mean it yeah. just is what it's so we're gonna go ahead and bring Adam McGinnis, the mastermind behind our wonderful intro and outro music for Climbing the Ivy on board. Adam, how you doing?
2: I'm good. How are you guys doing?
0: Well, we're just uh, happy that we have something real to talk about. Uh we've filled four episodes, largely just going back and forth and now pitchers and catchers report and we have you Darvish. So, uh, I know yeah. you're Oh man, what
2: a painful, boring off season it's been up until this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the good news is in, you know, three days we're going to see, you know, action from, from Mesa and baseball is back. But, uh, you know, I, I know that you tend to have uh, pretty strong reactions one way or another to stuff like this. What was uh, what was your reaction to Darvish uh, coming to the Cubs?
2: Well, initially, before Darvish signed, my, uh, my thought process was that the Cubs didn't really need him or Jake Arrieta to be the best rotation in the NL Central, but the more I thought about it, the more I, I said, you know, well, the, the window is right now, and it's not going to last forever. And so while you've got that championship window, you need to do everything you can to be as competitive as possible. And so I, I think they made the right move getting Darvish here.
0: Yeah, I think you and I followed a similar uh, line of thought because I know – I went all over. I started the. I mean, I started the off season saying Alex Cobb's our guy, and then I was like, "Well, maybe Lance Lynn." And then we hear you Darvish's. You know, asking prices isn't as ludicrous as you think, and Cobb's was. I think it was really interesting how this all played out because the day after the World Series ended, if you would have told me to put my money on a player to sign with the Cubs, I would have bet everything on Alex Cobb.
2: Yeah, and it sounded like. It sounded like from a lot of people that that was almost a sure thing that we could just count on Alex Cobb signing with the Cubs. But uh you know looking at what he was asking and what Darvish ended up getting, I'm I think they really got a steal with you Darvish. Um I know a lot of people aren't super happy with this contract, but you know, this is what you this is what it takes to get top tier pitching in this league and there just wasn't a lot available this offseason.
0: Yeah, I I agree, and and, uh, Alex, I'd love for you to weigh in on this. I feel like the same people who are complaining about this contract would be the same people that would complain and moan and groan all year if the Cubs went into 2018 with Mike Montgomery in the rotation. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Like, you know, you can't have I have nothing else to add to that. You're probably right. Yeah, I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't not spend money and, and and maintain an expanded championship window. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter how well you develop your young talent because eventually you're going to need to supplement those guys with free agents or be a trade. And I'm sorry, but there's nobody I trust more than Theo and Jed to make trades and sign players in ways that aren't going to compromise the long-term goals, but um, Adam, with Darvish on board now, I mean you have to think that the Cubs are probably the team to beat in the central or do you think maybe the Dodgers or not in the central but the DNL
2: I think that I think that the Dodgers are still going to be up there. I think the Cubs maybe rotation wise maybe are outdoing the Dodgers now. Um, in terms of overall talent, I think they might be fairly even, but I'd, I'd say the Cubs are certainly maybe the team to beat. Um, I think they're easily the best team in the NL Central, especially with Darvish now. And looking at the uh, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Pittsburgh's rotation, and I just I can't see them competing with this rotation if they stay healthy.
0: No, I can't. Even even if they went out and got someone like Arietta, I I don't. I honestly don't see that happening. I think uh, a more likely target for Milwaukee is somebody like Lance Lynn. Um, And I'm sorry, but that doesn't change the pecking order in the slightest. Um, But, Alex, going back to, you know, kind of the, the power hierarchy, if you will, in the National League, I'm interested to get your take. Obviously, pitching is hugely important. We saw that in 2016 when the Cubs rotation was just lights out. Um, but let's shift coasts, and instead of Los Angeles, let's look at Washington, because they're big three. I mean, it's pretty big. You're throwing out Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Gio Gonzalez. I mean, that's nothing to turn your nose up at. No,
1: it isn't, and Max Scherzer is probably the second-best pitcher in the National League overall behind Clayton Kershaw, and Steven Strasburg is probably in the top ten, Gio Gonzalez is kind of interesting because he'll grow through runs where it's like really, really good and go through runs where he's not doing so good. But yeah, those top two right there are probably as dominant as you can get, but they do not have the depth that the Cubs do. I mean, if you look at the projected lineups right now in terms of just pitching rotations, we're having a guy like Jose Quintana listed as number four. A guy who would be uh, a lot of twos and threes and maybe even one on many other teams. If he's our four and he has Hendricks, Darvish, and Lester in front of him, that tells you just how much depth this rotation has. And we saw it in the division series last year that despite the dominance of the top of the Nationals rotation, the lack of depth really kind of hurts
0: it. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely played a role there. Um, I'm very interested to see the impact that Davy Martinez has on the nationals. I think it is going to be a dramatic difference. I think we're going to see a, a very different feel around the Nats. I think they're going to be high energy, high octane, go, go, go. They have to win this year. Uh, they lose Daniel Murphy. They lose Bryce Harper at the end of this year. So they have to be all in. i you know, it, it, it's going to be up to those big three to carry them through the season. Obviously, they've got Tanner Roark um, in the back end there, a solid right-hander. Uh, but I, I just, I like you said, I think the Cubs just, they're deeper in every way. Um, Adam, I think you hit it on the head when you said the Cubs and Dodgers are pretty evenly matched right now. But um, I would like to start, I'll start with Adam. We'll do the over-under for the Cubs in 2018 at 95 wins, will they be above or below that?
2: I'm going to say below, but I'm I'm just playing it safe there. But I could easily see them uh, winning more than 95. And when I say below, I'm talking in the ballpark of 93, 94. So I think they're close to that 95
0: mark. What about you, Alex? I
1: completely 100% agree with what Adam said. I'm kind of putting them at 93, 94, at the very minimum 92. Would it surprise me for them to win 95, 96, 97? Not at all. I think that this team is so good. They're so full of talent. Adding you Darvish adds a lot of things there. Are they going to win 100-plus games? I just don't think so because other teams around them are improving. The Brewers are improving. I think the Cardinals are going to take a little bit of a bounce back, even though I still don't think they're better than the Cubs in the division. Uh, You have the powerhouses with the Dodgers. You still have this last year with the Nationals. So there's going to be some good competition around them. And even as good as the Cubs are, with all that competition, it's going to be a bit harder to win 100 games like in 2016. So I think low to mid-90s is where I would safely play.
0: Yeah, I think they'll hover, uh, like Adam said, right around 93, 94, 95 maybe. Um, but I think the biggest difference is I don't think there's another 91 team in the division. I think the Cardinals at best are an 87, 88 win team, and I think the Brewers are an 85 win team at best. Um, then again, there are a lot of free agents still out there. Um, I mean, the Cubs off-season and how it's being perceived changed on a dime yesterday when they signed Darvish, so – if Milwaukee or St. Louis goes out and they bring in Jake Arrieta or they bring in Alex Cobb uh, or St. Louis, you know, ponies up the cash um, to bring in Greg Holland, I mean, it changes everything. And this is, it's a very fluid situation given how the offseason's gone. But I just think the Cubs, uh, they're just, they're the better team in every way. Um But, Adam, before we let you go, I wanted to just kind of get your uh, overall feelings outside of the pitching rotation. If you had to put your finger on a player that's going to be like an X factor for the Cubs this year, who would it be?
2: That's a tough one. Um, And I've thought about a couple different people. Um, You know exactly what you're going to get from Bryant and Rizzo, so I'll leave them out of it. Um, I think we pretty much know what we're going to get from Wilson Contreras. I would say – that the potential X-Factor guys are Javier Baez and Addison Russell. And I'm going to say Addison Russell as my number one X-Factor guy. I think this is his, really his chance to show that he can uh, play up to the potential that a lot of people said he had. Uh, we just haven't seen uh, him hit for average. Uh, he, hit for, he got a lot of RBIs um, his first season, but uh, that was a historically good offense. Um, I think this is the year that Addison Russell needs to break through and really prove himself, or he could be uh, on the trade block.
0: Yeah, well said. Um, Adam, thank you again for coming on with us uh, tonight. You're welcome back anytime, and thank you again for helping us polish up the show with uh, your musical talent.
2: Yeah, anytime. Thanks, guys.
0: Awesome. So, Alex, uh, I really liked what, what Adam had to say there. Um, I wrote a piece earlier this offseason that this is the year that Addison Russell has to show that he was worthy of that top prospect type. I mean, I remember when I heard we were getting Addison Russell for Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill, and I lost my mind. I mean, I was thinking, oh, man, we this is a generational guy. He's going to be great. He's going to hit. 280 and give me gold glove defense. And that just hasn't happened.
1: Yeah. We're seeing like certain pieces of it happening. We're seeing the gold glove as defense. We're seeing some of the good pop. We're seeing some of the production, but yeah, we're not seeing quite the on base percentage that we were hoping for, or even just the batting average. So yeah, it's going to be very important for him to break out this year what I think is also going to be very important is him staying fully healthy throughout because he's had a few nagging injuries here or there. You remember in the division series in 2015, he had that thumb injury. He was out for the rest of the playoffs and just a few nagging things here or there. So if he can prove that he's fully durable throughout the season and can continue to make improvements, that would be really, really great to see. Because like I said, there are certain elements of what he was expected to be are clearly there. It just all has to come together, and it all has to be connected by the five essential tools, more or less.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think the what you mentioned just with the on-base issues, I think that that's you know it's, it's a fairly common issue. Uh, we've seen it a little bit with Schwarber as well. I think it's something that, as a team, the Cubs need to be better at. Uh, I think a a bounce back year from Ben Zobris off the bench would be huge. Um, But one guy that I think is going to end up being the odd man out because of the Darvish signing is Victor Caratini, because I feel like Jimenez is probably going to be on the roster now, given Darvish's familiarity with him from from their time in Texas. So what does this mean for, for Victor Caratini?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because you figure Wilson Contreras is your number one guy. You're going to want to get that bat in there as much as you can. I just wonder if Caratini is going to be like a personal catcher for somebody, though it's kind of hard to see a really young kid who's trying to develop be in that position. Because when I look at Chris Geminez, I see him as the next David Ross. He's going to be what he was to John Lester as David Ross was to him. Geminez will be Hugh Darvish's guy. So, as for the other starters, I I feel like Caratini is going to have to get some time in there somewhere, even though Wilson Contreras, you're going to want him to have him in as much as you can. So, that's going to be kind of a complicated one to solve, I think. It'll be really interesting to see what happens during spring ball. I think that Caratini is going to be really motivated to put on a show, I really, really do. I think he realizes the situation. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Will he be kind of a personal catcher to someone? I don't know. I don't know if it's the right way to develop a young catcher, but they got to get him in somehow, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously the Cubs have a a history, at least in the last few years, with Joe Madden at the helm of carrying three catchers. So I don't think that's necessarily an issue. I think what you referred to, though, getting him regular reps to allow him to develop as a catcher will be an issue because I think you're going to see him at first base. You're going to see him in probably left field, um, you know, but that's not going to help him develop as, as a catcher. It's, and that's where his value is. He's, he's a very high offensive ceiling guy, but I think he could be running into a bit of a, a roadblock here because I don't think the at-bats are there in the right quantity to to uh, you know to validate keeping him on the big league roster. I think you're going to hurt his development if you do.
1: Yeah, so I kind of wonder if he may start the season in Triple A. I just I don't know. Like I said earlier, maybe it'll depend on what he does in spring ball. Uh, so that's a tough one. That really is a tough one. So
0: obviously, other bench guys uh, outside of, of Caratini. I mean, Tommy Listella will definitely be there. Zobrist is going to be there. Ian Happ, another guy that he's going to battle for at bats uh, with Albert Almora out in center field. The Cubs went out and signed Peter Borges. What his role will be or won't be is to be determined. Um, in my mind, I kind of just think of Dave Dave Roberts back in the day with the Sox and you know, to me, Borges is a guy that comes into play defense. Kyle Fort late in the game, or he somebody in a tight ball game. I don't see him having more of a role than that.
1: Yeah, I don't either. He'll kind of be what Leonis Martin was last year when he came to the Cubs, except that they'll have him at the beginning of the season. Some people said he's like the John Jay replacement, but I wouldn't see him as that because John Jay played very often and he was a big factor with the bat. And I don't think you're going to see him be a big factor with the bat. It's going to be a lot more defensively, like you said, and like pinch running.
0: Yep. 100%. 100%. So you Darvish is a cub. We've all made our thoughts and feelings on that perfectly clear, as have many of you. Um, But let's kind of look at, at the other names on the market and just try and peg where we think they could Uh, end up after Darvish comes to Chicago. And I guess the the obvious one to start with is Jake Arrieta. Where do you think Jake is going to wind up given the fact that Darvish came back to uh, the Cubs?
1: I have this feeling he's going to go to the Phillies because the Phillies are trying to do this weird thing where they're trying to rebuild and contend at the same time. Uh, They got Santana who was on the Indians for all those years. They signed him to a three-year deal and they've expressed interest in making more moves. And I think Arrieta would kind of fit that mold because they'd have plenty of money to get him. So that's, it sounds weird, but I think the Phillies would be a reasonable fit for him, even though I don't think adding him and the team they have is going to make them all that great. I don't think the rebuilding while trying to contend thing really works well, but I, I could see that being attempted by them.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, we talked about that last week. Um, I could definitely see Jake going to Philly. If he doesn't go there, I feel pretty confident, and he's going either to the Cardinals or the Brewers. Yeah, I think, I'd agree. I, I think that both of those teams could use a proven starter. I can't stress enough how much Milwaukee needs it. You, If you're ponying up $80 million for Lorenzo Cain and you're trading Louis Brinson and a package of prospects for Christian Yelich. You can't stop here. You cannot stop here. You have to go and address your rotation. You cannot expect guys who had career years last year to do the same thing. Fool me one right. straight, but if, if you do it again, say they put up the same numbers in 2018, great. That's what they are. You can plan on that. You can't plan on it based on one season.
1: Yeah. Hit the nail on the head.
0: So, Milwaukee still needs to figure their life out. Uh, Another foregone conclusion, it seems, is that J.D. Martinez is going to be in Boston. But over the last week, it seems like things are kind of going back and forth. Uh, There might be some ill feelings toward one another. Um, Do you think it's realistic that he goes back to Arizona?
1: I have heard more and more rumblings that that's a possibility. I don't know how big of a possibility it is, but I'm not going to completely rule it out because there's something very strange going on with Boston and him. I'm not sure that they're really on the same page here. And I'm not so sure he wants to go there. I think the thing that would lure him would be a, the money that they'd offer and b the fact that he'd be hitting in a park that would benefit his hitting very, very much. But there's just something weird going on there that I'm not so sure that he's a lock going there. Like some people have thought in weeks past.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think, I think the experience he had in Arizona after that mid season trade, I think it does a lot to help the diamondbacks chances of bringing him back. I don't know yeah. financially what it's going to look like, but I mean, he helped bring postseason baseball back to Arizona and that's not to be overlooked. It really isn't. Um, Boston, like you said, there's something weird going on. It just—it's not making sense. The Yankees have crushed their offseason. season, um, and they—they're still tied to numerous starting pitchers, so they might not even be done yet. Um, but uh, you know, I—I I think Boston needs JD Martinez a lot more than JD Martinez needs the Red Sox.
1: Sure. Absolutely.
0: So moving on from that, uh, a couple pitchers, Alex Cobb and Lance Lynn. Uh, as I said earlier, I think Lance Lynn's going to end up in Milwaukee because I don't think they're going to put their money where their mouth is and actually sign the guy they need, who right now, after missing out on Darvish, is Jake Arrieta. Um, do you have any other thoughts as far as other destinations that he could go?
1: Honestly, Milwaukee's probably my front runner. Um, It doesn't seem like the Cardinals are very interested in bringing him back. Uh, The Cubs, they're not obviously now. Other than that, I've heard really nothing else, even any interest from any other teams about Lance Lynn. And I think that the Brewers are going to realize that they need to make some sort of pitching move within a reasonable price after opening up their checkbook for Lorenzo Cain. So, yeah, I think that he would be the most likely candidate to go to Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, and that just leaves us with Alex Cobb, which now I think is really interesting because the offseason, like I mentioned earlier, opened up, and with Jim Hickey and Joe Madden reunited, Alex Cobb was a done deal. It's going to be a four-year, $60 million contract, and he'll be in cubby blue by the end of November. Well, here we are. It's almost Valentine's Day, and Alex Cobb is still a free agent. I honestly can say I have no idea where he'll sign.
1: Yeah, you know, it's really funny. For another website I wrote for back in late November, right after Thanksgiving, I typed up an Alex Cobb to the Cubs deal. Like a full article. I just left the X's blank to fill in the numbers. I thought it was a for sure thing he was coming here. Obviously, that's not the case. Um, I wouldn't rule out Milwaukee for Alex Cobb. I wouldn't rule out the Cardinals for Alex Cobb. I think the twins are going to go after Alex Cobb hard. I really do because they lost out on Darvish. They realize that pitching is their weakness and adding Alex Cobb to the rotation would be a pretty solid addition for them.
0: Yeah. And then I think their need is only exacerbated by the fact that they're um, missing Irvin Santana. Now he's out with an injury for, for a good chunk. Um, I think that's definitely gonna, you know, light the fire to get something done. Uh, and add a, a pitcher in free agency, but uh, we've just got a couple minutes left. Um, pitchers and catchers report this week. It's exciting. At this point, I personally consider the Cubs' off season over after the Darvish signing. If you were to grade the Cubs' off season, what would you give Theo and Jed?
1: I mean, before we even go anywhere, I say it was an A off season. I know not a lot of people think that way, but we just added a dominant starter in New Darvish. They revamped the bullpen with proven names like Brandon Morrow and Steve Seashack. They upped their coaching staff after a lot of guys' contracts expired. They brought in one of the best hitting coaches in Chili Davis. They brought in Jim Hickey on the staff. They revamped the coaching staff on the base pads. I mean they, they've addressed most issues here. Obviously the one thing that never really came around was the leadoff issue. And that's just going to be something that's going to be solved with the roster they have. But considering what they've done, I'd give them an A. I think they've made very impactful moves here.
0: Yeah. And I think they did it. I think the important thing is they did it and they kept their position player core intact, which is really impressive.
1: Yeah. You know, they well
0: treated, but... Yeah. I mean, I, I would have bet anything that Ian Happ was, or Albert Almora was, would be in a different uniform by right now. I mean, I would have bet I it thought Ian for, Happ
1: was getting traded for sure.
0: But now they've still got the whole core back with pieces like C-Sheck and Morrow, you know, Chatwood in the rotation, Darvish in the rotation. And not only that, but they picked up Drew Smiley, who could be a death option for 2019. I mean, if Smiley recovers well and is looking good, that might be the door that opens to get Mike Montgomery out. I mean, if he pitches well if, and they're confident and smiley as the swingman in 2019, that could be the deal that gets Mike Montgomery out of town. If he is indeed unhappy, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think his bigger issue was not knowing what to expect. Um, one day he's a starter, the next day he's a reliever. And I think that was the issue, but I think it's just going to be, you know, I think they did everything they needed to do, and it's really rare where you can sit at the end of an offseason and um, say that, that, yeah, they checked every box, but they really did.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that it's one thing to say, well, they checked one, but not this, this, and this. And that would have probably been the case if they didn't get Darvish or Chatwood. Even if they got Chatwood, I, I still think that getting another starter was a pretty big, significant thing on their list, and they got him. That's a huge, big check mark right there next to that list. So And this just happened, and we're just heading into spring training, so it may have been late, but in the end, Theo got his guy. And like what you said on podcasts in the past, Theo tends to get his guy.
0: Absolutely. What a perfect way to wrap up this special Sunday night episode of climbing the Ivy. Uh, Alex, as always, thank you for all your work. And we will be back with you guys on Wednesday night, 9pm. Tune in.